Hi everyone and welcome back to Illuminal Space. Today I'm in discussion with Sabine Shuker. Sabine is a Lebanese humanitarian clown, storyteller and performer with qualifications in performing arts from London and social therapy from New York. She is the co-founder of Clown Me In, a group that uses the art of clowning to fight social injustice, spreading laughter and providing relief in refugee camps and disadvantaged communities around the world. Sabine is also a member of Clowns Without Borders and is the artistic director of The Caravan Project, an interactive and participatory live performance that brings together professional theatre makers and non-professional refugee artists, incorporating interviews conducted with people from Lebanon and Palestinian and Syrian refugees and sharing these with the world. So it's a big pleasure to welcome Sabine to A Liminal Space. Hello, Sabine. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Um, there's one more thing here that we have, um, we have a school, we have the International Institute for Very, Very Serious Studies as well in <laughs> Lebanon. The International Institute for Very, Very Serious Studies. Well, coming from a career clown, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> so. We do, yeah, yeah, we, we, that's it. We teach very, very serious studies in clowning, bouffant, street theatre, social therapy, and then uh, the artists who come and uh, study with us, they go and work with communities and they uh, come up with street performance with youth in different communities um, and they perform them. They do very, very serious performances. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> and I'm sure this discussion <laughs> is going to take us some, some, some really interesting places. Um, just to contextualize what we're, what we're chatting about, right now, um, my understanding is you're in Beirut, in Lebanon. Yeah, I'm in Beirut. And on the 4th of August, we had a huge explosion. I mean, it is said to be the, the biggest third explosion in the world uh, after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And um, uh, we've had half of the city destroyed. Uh, 300,000 people lost their homes and apartments. Uh, they're displaced now. Um, we've had, you know, more than 6,000 people injured, badly injured, um, more than 200 deaths and probably more because there are more than 50 people where we don't know their whereabouts. Um, and it's basically a, um, it's basically a fuck up from the government, uh, where, you know, they, uh, they detained a ship in 2013 carrying, uh, I think three, 3,000, uh, tons of, uh, highly explosive ammonium nitrate and uh, they just put put the shipment in a hangar and in a, in a hangar at the port of Beirut and boom it exploded um, and and where were you like at that at that moment what was your personal experience um, so I was on a zoom call actually and then um, I had a screen behind me and I saw and I saw the screen moving and then I felt the, the apartment going left and right, like the whole building, and I'm on the 13th floor. Uh, so I thought, oh, my God, Israel is bombing. Uh, so my my war instinct, you know, uh, lived being like having lived in, in, in war for such a long time, I ran to the, uh, to the hallway uh, 
my my daughter was with the nanny and they they went under the, the table um and then you know and boom the explosion happened of course my my husband who's a, an american coming from colorado went uh, up to the balcony just to see what's happening <laughs> So we've got the tourist and we've got the local, yeah. I mean, he's been here for for such a long time, but you know, it's it's also it's it's the instinct of yeah. you know the first instinct for, for me is like okay, uh, Israel is bombing. There was a bomb, and then another one is going to happen right now. So I ran and I was like, I just screamed, I was just go inside, go inside. It's just where, and I I just thought. At first, I thought the the bomb or or the explosion happened right next to us, uh, like in the building next to us or in downtown, which is five minutes away from where we are. And then, uh, of course, it was so scary, like beyond scary. I had all the images of war again, and I was like, what am I still doing in this country? Why am I still here? Like, I don't want to live this again. Um, And then... And then you know, I texted, I texted my parents, my my other family members, my friends, saying there was a bomb next to uh, to our place or an explosion or whatever. But we're good. Hmm. I started from, from people. Oh, there was an explosion next to us, and we're good. And then I started thinking, well, if everyone in Beirut and outside of Beirut is thinking that this happened next to them then what the hell is this? Like, why is it so, what happened? And then when we went to the balcony and I mean, we saw this huge fire and, and uh, um, uh, I don't know, what to do, like nuage, um, well, I can't find the word in, in English. Um, yeah, and, you know, it took us some time to figure out what, what it was, but then... Uh, the aftermath, I mean, it's so big, it's going to take us so much time to um, to get over this. I don't know if we'll get over it. But yeah. And, and what emotion, if you were to, to say in one word, an emotion that you feel about just the fact that it happened and, and, and now that it's been revealed that you know, that it was this very explosive material that should never have been there in the first place. What, what's, your, what's the emotion that, that you feel regarding this? I mean, I feel extreme anger um, and extreme sadness. It's, it's too, I'm, I'm so angry with the government. I mean, I've always been angry with the government. That's why I clown. Uh, but now, like, more than ever, and and I'm so sad because you know when when we started like the, the next day we started going on the ground and, and helping out and it's just so so sad. It, it's beyond beyond sadness. I don't know. It's distress. It's it's just seeing that all of our memories, all of the city. Uh, many, many of my friends were hurt, uh, lost so much. Like people lost, lost their, their history, their history, their, um, yeah, I mean, 
twice. And is that anger still, I mean, I, I hear it in your voice and, and obviously the sadness and, and the anger together, but like when you walk out in the street, what, what, what do you see? What, what, what are people feeling and seeing? Is there a, have people come together or is it a divided society even more? Well, I mean, it's, Lebanon is a divided society and it always has been and it will always be a divided society. But uh, what's really impressive is that after the, the explosion, the youth of, of the city or, or of Lebanon, actually, from all over Lebanon, came and started helping out to uh, clean up the debris, uh, where, whereas none of the government officials or any of the government uh, bodies did anything on the ground. And, you know, and one woman, one woman said it really, really nicely. She said, you know, I think the new generation is very sweet, has a big heart in Lebanon. They, they all came together to help, to do something because, because they, they, because they have hope, I think. I mean, uh, um, yeah, but then of course you have the city, the, the Lebanon is divided. So, You've got everyone got affected. Everyone felt sorry. Everyone felt angry. But but many people now are just you know going on with their lives. Uh, is it is it from my perspective? You know, in one way, it's sort of sad that people keep going on in their lives because I know that maybe it just means that they're sort of used to you know the the fact that you reacted in this way, which meant that you're actually used to it. Um, you know, to be. We, should know, we shouldn't be like why anybody should be should should know what to do in these situations. Like, no, I want to be I want to be like my husband. I want to be like, OK, I'm going to go <laughs> outside. It's very I mean, my I, I must say that probably my reaction would be to do exactly what your husband did. You know, I've, I haven't had the misfortune to have to live through any war or, or civil unrest, really. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and nobody cares, really. Yeah, and I know that there are, you know, um, there are different ways that people can, can help, some more honest or trustworthy than others. So um, what I might do is, is um, with this conversation, I'll also provide some links if you can let me know where people can, um, or can they do that through Clown Me In, or, or how's the best place for people if they want to contribute positively yeah i mean we have we 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 started a fundraiser just for for the victims of the explosion and basically i mean it's a very very small you know a tiny uh, um, amount of money that we are using for extreme and urgent cases because big ngos now you know they need to go they need to do the mapping and then see who's more in need and then it takes it just takes time so what we're doing with the money we're just giving it to the most urgent cases you know uh old people people who are sick need medicine um people as many people are staying in their homes because they have nowhere else to go they don't want to go to the shelters they think if they leave their house they won't be able to come back so they're staying with windows open doors open so we're we're assisting these urgent cases uh, but also there are a lot of other initiatives happening and they all have uh, online donations uh, that we can uh, 
uh, we can put uh, here, you know, there's Arc-en-Ciel who are doing amazing, amazing work, uh, uh, working with uh, people with disabilities, uh, helping in rebuilding houses, uh, taking care of the environment at the same time, because this is also something that, you know, with all the the the, the garbage and the debris and um, uh, the, 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 the glass that, that fell down. Um, so they're trying to, uh, uh, to recycle uh, everything, which we really, really need. Um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of, uh, there's an initiative called Impact Lebanon where they're raising money and then they're distributing to smaller NGOs. So, you know, there's a lot of really, really good people, good work happening uh, on the ground. Okay, great. I'll put those links. If, if people watching and listening can go to aliminalspace.earth um, to Sabine's episode, there'll be the links, uh, there'll be the links there. So you're a clown. Yes. <laughs> have you have you always been a clown? Um, I was a very very serious uh, child. No, I'm joking. I was. <laughs> I've always been. I've always been a rebel clown. Let's say. Um, me, meaning, you know, I've always loved to play and dance and do silly stuff. But I've always like to go on uh, chairs and tables and start uh, giving big speeches about uh, about uh, human rights and uh, <laughs> so I think I've I think I've always been a rebel clown uh, thinking about you know humanity and human beings and what's fair and what's not fair in life yeah I mean it, it truly is an amazing um, combination of in many ways, what people may think are opposite things. Um, you know, clowns are funny. Clowns are supposed to entertain and make you laugh. Rebels and human rights and, and things like this is, you know, something, but it's a, it's a, it's a perfect um, combination. So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing more about, you know, the work that you do and how you actually make these uh, things come to, uh, you know, come, come together. And you said that, um, which I, I didn't expect, but you said you clown because of the government. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. means that, um, so the whole idea is I get so angry. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a very passionate person, right? So I get so angry. And when I'm angry at something, I think the only way that makes me feel better is to go and laugh about these things. And so I just use clowning to express my anger in, in a funny way. And the government here, uh, who's been ruling us for the past 30 or 40 years, I can't keep track, um, just invites you to clown around all the time about everything they do or everything that they don't, obviously. So was it for your own mental health and health and well-being that you decided to 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 go to humor instead of anger yeah and i mean the first time i discovered this uh you know uh, i was in london i was studying uh there and i was in a performing arts school and then we had the we 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 had the last bit of the school where we do clowning 
it's like the ending of a two-year program where you dig a lot within yourself and, and you, you find your space and you, fi- you find your uh, ways of express expression inside of a space and inside of this, uh, in this world. Um, and then I discovered clowning. And, and that, that's the first thing that I discovered is that I had this really... Uh, uh, army like clown, uh, very um, paranoid, uh, um, and it was so funny. Uh, it was so funny to see this side. I mean, it was painful as well to see that I have this side. That's, but it was also so funny, and it was so good for me to to, to have people laugh at this clown, laugh at at this side that I have. And I thought, wow, what an amazing tool. Like how awesome it is to just be there, very transparent, very vulnerable, and just accept that it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, who we are and how stupid we are and how <laughs> silly and <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, and that's that. That was my first experience with clowning and and healing, if you want, and and this this amazing um, feeling of the awesomeness of clowning. And then I thought, okay, I'm just gonna drop everything else, stop everything else. Like, I don't want to be an actress anymore. I don't want to be performing on stage. I just want to be a clown, and I want to be with people, and I want to. Uh, share this with people because it's just awesome. It's good for me. It's good for people who are watching. It's good for people who go into this experience. So I started doing these things. I started giving clown workshops so people can discover clowning and the playfulness and and the the the, the, the great thing about laughing laughing at our failures and at our stupidity. And accepting it, um, and also and also performing, and and bit by bit, uh, I started taking you know uh, social uh, societal issues uh, and environmental issues, political issues, and uh, using clowning to uh, to tackle them. Wow, it's and and I'd love to now uh, just before we go into the setting up of of Clown Me In and the work and the work that you do, just I'm really interested on a, on a personal um, level because I didn't think that it was something internal and you know you use words like healing and things like this. It's very very interesting for me. Does the idea of dressing up and and physically changing your appearance and and you know putting a red nose on and and does it give you an excuse to, to be more free? Does it, does it allow you to express yourself that perhaps, does it rid you of some of the, you know, the, the limitations or neurosis that we just carry, that humans carry, you know, with us? Or am I reading too deep yeah, into this? I think, no, I think, I think the fact, I wouldn't say that just up. Or, but I would say I would say the process into finding the, the playfulness that leads you to find this side uh, of you, and uh, this is this is where where you feel free to really um, express and and let these things um, 
be, uh, you know, out there. And the fact of the, the red nose, which, you know, is the smallest mask in the world, you feel like, oh, you're hiding behind this, this red nose, so you're free to do whatever you want. Um, but, but also, I mean, I, I used to think it's like the red nose where I hide behind it, and now I just, it's if I'm wearing a nose or, or not, I'm just, yeah, out there. <laughs> yeah. And how did, what was the um, process of, clown me in? How did that come into to existence? I, I, when I came back from London to Lebanon, I started, you know, doing some clown work and started having, telling people, oh, I discovered clowning. It's great. Let's just do things and stuff. And they'd be like, yeah, cool. You can come perform at uh, my son's birthday or my daughter's birthday. And I go, okay, that's not it. Um... <laughs> precisely <laughs> uh, so um, so I think I started doing some clown uh, activism here and there and then I went to Mexico with a friend of mine we were like well we do believe that clowning is much more let's just let's just start doing more humanitarian stuff so okay what do we call this let's call it clown me in or should we call it clown in me clown me and blah 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 and we started it just like that and uh you know we in in mexico we just did small things we worked with uh uh with a circus group uh we taught uh, at a university for for a small period we gave a clown workshop and then we were like well, let's let's dig deeper and we did something crazy where I sent an email to uh, to someone I know in uh, India and I said hey we're two clowns and we want to go and give a clown performance and uh, give some workshops and she's like yeah great okay I'll put you in touch with some people that might be interested and then she might put me in touch with so many people and we organized a tour uh, of two months to go see people, stay with people uh, in different places, travel from, take take planes, take uh, internal planes, take buses with people we don't know. Uh, and we just went. And it was so crazy. Now thinking about it, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> like, well, there, here are two girls. I mean, we were three. The third was just a friend of mine who went and filmed with us. Three, three women going to India, not knowing anything, just wanting to clown around. And really, it was an amazing, amazing trip that was super hard because we got to see... We got to work with uh, with the poor, poorest of the poor people there. We got to work with um, uh, uh, women who are going through a lot of uh, 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 violence and, and all sorts of uh, discrimination. And it was just so, so hard and a big trip. And it was the first trip we did. And, and I think from then on, Clownian started really forming. We started thinking, okay, we want to do more humanitarian work. We want to be more with people. We think this is making a difference. And then I came back to Lebanon and I started, you know, uh, giving workshops here more. Uh, I had a group, a small group of four people 
uh, who, who were believed in clowning, engaged uh, uh, really with me. And, uh, and now we're almost, I don't know, maybe 35 clowns. And we do, uh, yeah, we go, we go to all demonstrations uh, as clowns fight for our rights. We, uh, we do a lot of uh, street theater work. So we uh, collect stories from people, we record them, we edit them, and then we put them in a fun year, the stories of people as they were told, but then we uh, reenact them in a more fun way. So, uh, uh, yeah, we do clown attacks. We attack the streets. Uh, and this was most more, um, it came from the idea of, you know, um, when we when we started having terrorist attacks, we were like, well, maybe we should change this to clown attacks and do some more fun attacks. Um, yeah, and we have the school now. It's incredible. It seems to be a non-confrontational way to address really important issues. Would that be right? I mean, like, you know, when when people think of a demonstration and activists in the street, you know, thinking of people not with a red nose, but with another sort of mask and, and violence and things like this. What do people think when you're juggling instead of, you know, hurling assault, uh, insults at, at, at people? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great way. It's an amazing, amazing way because we're the only ones who actually, when, in, when we are in demonstrations, we get near the police and um, have a, have an interact with them, let's say, uh, get our messages out. We also, uh, I mean, not to say that demonstrations and the other ways are not right. They are very, very right. We're just on a different, uh, we do it from a different uh, uh, perspective. And, you know, it's always important to, uh, to have something that's light and that includes laughter, because when you laugh, you're more relaxed, you listen more, you, you accept uh, what's been told to you in a better way. And so you hear it. And then whether you do something about it or you don't do anything about it is, is, is another story. But, but the way of, of how you, uh, how, how you uh, accept uh, what's been told is very different mm. you, you know i'll give you some examples just so you know you know what, what we're talking about let's say uh when we were uh protesting about the environment um you know the 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 government wanted to put incinerators in in uh in beirut and knowing the government in Lebanon putting incinerators in Beirut, meaning they're going to put all, all the garbage in it. They won't put what's ha what has to be there in it. So it's like safe. And we know how many people live in Beirut or used to live in Beirut pre-4th of August. Um, so, uh, so we went and actually 
held the incinerator like a, a, a made by us in a very uh, it's not the real one but of course um, and then we we just went and and it was for us we we put on black clothes we put on black noses and we were just. Uh, saying goodbye to people and really crying because we're all going to die. So we just made a big funeral inside this uh, protest, being like, oh, you're going to be missed. And, and this, we even went to the police, to the army, and we started hugging them and saying goodbye to them and how great they were uh, before because we're, we're all going to die. And, and, you know, and this is like, it's funny. It's funny to see this, but it's also like, yeah, we like it is reality. This is gonna kill us, but then we're laughing uh, uh, on, on this on this uh, part, and it just makes people laugh and then think, okay, this is funny, but poignant. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. The work that you do, perhaps the work that I'm trying to do, I'm a documentary filmmaker bringing, you know, highlighting environmental human rights issues and things like this. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to reach people, to touch people. People are fatigued. People have heard it all before. And, and creative ways, I 100% are the only way that change is actually going to to happen. And how was the, um, the work that you're doing with the refugees? Can you talk about how that began and can you just, yeah, expand about sort of that amazing work? Yeah. And this is also, it actually builds on what you just said. It's also the fact, uh, what we did with refugees is we recorded their stories and by recording their stories, we didn't record stories that say, oh, uh, yeah, we left home and we had to walk for five hours and took a car. No, we all know these things. We recorded more personal stories that are, let's say, uh, one woman talked to us about her sexual life and through her sexual life, how, how war affected this and how she lost her house, went to her husband's uh, family house where she had to stay with her, with her parents-in-law and where and whenever she would come out of the room, they would be like, ooh, what did you do? How was it? Blah, blah, blah. And then, and then they lost this house as well and she came to Lebanon and she was in a, living in a tent with her, her, her uh, uh, son and daughter right in, in the same tent, right? And then they had to put a fabric between their room and their and, and the room of their kids. And whenever they wanted to have sex, they would put the Quran out loud on the radio. And, you know, so like, if you hear these stories, like that are very, very personal about one personal thing, and then you put them out, you share them with the audience, you share them with people, then people see themselves in these stories and don't say, oh, yeah, I know this. I've heard this a million times. No, this is something that is lived. Like this is a daily life uh, uh, detail that makes a big difference in our lives and that every 
person of us has one one sort of this experience, and so so they will get to understand more what's happening to refugees. Um, and that's the thing. So we've done we've done a lot of recording. We've we've recorded more than two hundred stories with people, and we picked some of them. Uh, and put them on um, on the caravan and with this project that we call the caravan, and it's basically recorded stories, actors who are non-professional or semi-professional coming from the, the camps, or uh, mixed with some professional actors coming from Lebanon or Syria, and they perform these stories on a, on the roof of a van and on a platform in front of a van. And we went to the most hostile villages and cities in, in Lebanon. Uh, we did these performances on the streets. And it was actually fantastic because you can really hate the other person. But then when you listen to the story, when, when you listen to the, the stories of people, you cannot hate people as much. You can't. I absolutely um, agree. I agree and I think yeah. that the, I mean I agree for the exact reason that that you gave that once you see yourself in that person you're forced to actually confront that that person is not the other <laughs> they're human just like us um and I think what was for me really interesting about that story that you told was it also you know these these uh, you know a lot of films a lot of stories a lot of journalistic reports mostly and news reports they really also create this like stereotype of, of, yeah. of what someone you know uh, a refugee has a sex life you know aren't they just victims that we need to just feel sorry for and you know Absolutely. I loved uh, you know yeah I really love hearing that I think that that's the the real challenge from from here going forward in storytelling in general is sort of creative stories, but just as importantly, creative ways of, of, of telling those, those stories. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, so then obviously there's, there's two factors. You, you, you are showing these stories to, to people that, that may not... Sorry, you, you froze, you uh, froze. Can you can, the question? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's really interesting to me as well, because obviously you've got two sides to this. You're you're sharing stories to, to an audience and you want them to, to understand the, the plight of, you know, in this case, refugees. But you've also got the, the refugees themselves. And, and I know you work a lot with, with kids and, you know, playing and clowning and, 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 and things like this. And so how, what impact does that have on the actual people themselves that are, that are playing and, and having, you're providing, you're providing people with an, a, a you're providing people with a, a form of entertainment and enjoyment as well. And I know a lot of the time in my own work with, with asylum seekers, refugees, that's something that's often forgotten that, you know, kids don't want to be involved in politics. They don't really understand why they're there. They just want to be kids and to, to have fun. Can you talk about that part of your work? Um, yeah, I mean, um, well, for, for the caravan, let's say, um the, the 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 people who were playing the they, they were not kids kids they were um adolescents and some were adults or but uh 
but it was it was um so I'll, I'll have two answers the, the, so, so people who were involved in the caravan project uh, for them it's it's amazing to be able to tell the story not only tell the story but know that people are actually listening and watching and laughing and then uh, uh, not laughing and and telling, you know, um, having a conversation. So it was important to not only tell, but to also see that this this telling is having a big reaction uh, from people. Uh, and now, and of course, movement and and learning this, this expressing through the body is also a marvelous thing where, you know, you feel free, um, you know, when you're, when you, when you're traumatized or attacked or, or you, you're, you're angry or ha- you, your body closes and this, it, it first, the, the trauma hits the body. The first thing you just, uh, become heavy and, and just using the body to just express, to move to mm-hmm. this, this by itself is, is very healing and, and, uh, uh, therapeutic in a, in a way. And then when we perform for kids, which is the other thing that we do in Clan Mien, and I do a lot with Clans Without Borders, where we travel all around the world and we go where we're invited to places, uh, to, to people who, who have gone through war or uh, um, environmental disaster or displaced people, you know, I mean, all, all sorts of, of things. And just the fact that you enter a space where people are, down and depressed and kids are just like no i mean they're they're just stuck in that place and then you come with clowns and you just play and you offer this joy music freedom um it just changes the whole um the whole spirit the whole the whole feeling and um and the, 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 yeah, the whole thing switches to, to a more playful, lighter, uh, place full of colors, of, of laughter, of silly things, of silliness. Silliness is, is important. Games, play, these are all important, uh, things. So, so kids all of a sudden feel more free. Um, they, uh, they, they, and they, they I don't know, they're, they perform their best. I don't know. They're, they're just like, when we always get kids who, when we want to leave, they say, oh, please come back, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, uh, reactions like, oh, you were even more fun than when I play football. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or we hear, you know, parents saying, oh, I haven't seen my kid laughing for the past, you know, months or two it's such a a fine line here you know you're talking about clowning and you're talking about having fun and i'm finding myself getting emotional and and hearing the stories on the other hand because there's this yeah this this it's a temporary it's a temporary relief in some way i guess but it obviously has an ongoing benefit you know as a as an alternative um alternative therapy yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
it is when you go there, these people live, uh, live the moment, uh, live a very important, fun moment that I think many of them keep remembering. Because from, from all the tours I've made throughout the years, we've, we've gone to the, like, let's say with Kanzla borders, we've been following the refugee uh, route for um, the past four or five years and going to the Balkans, going to Greece, going to some places in Europe. And I've actually seen people a year after year moving from one place to another still stuck huh, from one camp to the other but they remembered me like they they had they 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 had i'm saying me not just me but the group but i'm just talking about you know my personal experience like they recognize us they know us they know us by names they uh <laughs> they know that we've been there it stays in their mind i mean and i get one time i got a, uh, and this is like a very dear story to, 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 that, to me, to my heart. So I got a message through Facebook uh, of one girl saying, Hi, Sabine, I'm so glad I found you. Uh, I looked over social media uh, because there's this guy who I'm working with in Germany who's a displaced um, you know, who's an immigrant and he left uh, Syria and he told me that he has a picture of you and him on the port of uh, Lesbos before he took the, 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 the boat to go to, 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 to go to Athens and from Athens to Germany and he said that he just wanted to say thank you because you welcomed him, and he, he that was the first time he felt welcomed in, in Europe. And then she sent me the picture. And for me, it was like, it's, it's so touching. It's, it's just, it just tells us that at the end of the day, what we need in life is just one moment of real connection and real joy uh, and real interaction with people. I mean, this guy, I had like a maximum of one minute interaction with him. And that's it. That was it. But it stayed. I mean, we just did silly things. We took a selfie and left. <sighs> I can see you're getting emotional. I'm getting emotional as well. <clears throat> it's, um, I mean, but this is life, you know, like this is the real life. This is, this, is, this is what, when you are in touch with these people in these real struggles and situations, this is, this is a reality. And, and when they're not welcome, when they don't feel welcome, when they haven't been welcomed, when they've been turned back from borders, when they've been told to go, to go back from where you came from, and then you find someone with a red nose or not with a red nose, but that, that just looks at them as a person and, and respects them for who they are. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that you must have impacted and touched so many people. It's, um, it's, in, it's incredible. What about music? What role does music play in your, in your work and in these performances? A big role. 
you know, I mean, uh, I'm sadly not a musician, but I, uh, <laughs> um, I always, always, you know, uh, make sure to have music in the shows, uh, a musician with us. Um, it's, uh, I mean, music is by itself so healing, um, and it just adds this this um, happiness or or any kind of emotion to we want to, to convey. Uh, yeah, it's it's as important as anything else we do. Hmm. It just it goes hand in hand with what we do. And the fact that you are a woman. And the fact that you speak Arabic and the fact that you're from Lebanon, how does that differ from me? For example, I'm, I'm a man, um, I'm, I don't speak Arabic. Um, do you find that that enables you to get closer to other people more quickly? Uh, and particularly, particularly women who may feel a trust towards you? Uh, yeah, amazing question. Um, <laughs> actually, being a woman, uh, so I don't, here's one thing I don't do when I perform outside of uh, Lebanon uh, for refugees, I don't speak Arabic to them. I don't let them know that I speak Arabic until the end. Uh, because I feel, I feel language doesn't matter actually uh, at all. It, we don't need to have a conversation in the beginning. We just need to play. We just need to connect and we connect with the bodies. We connect with the eyes. We connect with the music. We connect uh, with the interaction. It does make me much, much, it, the, the fact that I'm a woman, it makes it so much easier to be around other women who, you know, just also being a very uh, open-minded, uh, no, I mean free, not open, like free, free with my body uh, and just being like going near them and uh, uh, interacting with them makes, makes it, of course, easier than having a man, to be honest. But I also, I, uh, I do the same with men. Um, like I treat women and men in these situations exactly the same. Um, and I think just the fact that I've lived, I've gone through war makes me more bold in a way to, uh, to go to people and not care about, uh, about touching, uh, touching issues like death and war and uh blood and um i don't know it's it, it it has to do with with thinking how much i can take and where i and how how us for example as lebanese we make jokes about terrible things and we use you know i mean it's like let's say or, or not even jokes or like the word the words we use or like we say oh i hope you bury me like just to say oh I love you so much right <laughs> so 
that's that's the that's the the fact of being coming from war, and that's that's what it helps on on the ground. And then, of course, after the performances and after the interaction, when I start speaking Arabic, it just opens up better, uh, more conversation where they tell more stories. But it doesn't in the beginning. I don't use it at all. Yeah, that's fascinating. I I, I thought it would have been the absolute opposite i thought that would have been your i hope this is not insensitive to say but your passport to to get close to people um right that's yeah. it just shows the it, it 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 perfectly demonstrates the limitations in many ways of language um and not just the limitations but the strength of just personal contact and and it's a very interesting thing i I've never made a film in English. I've never understood anything that I've filmed. And it's really hard to explain to people how you actually can make a film that makes sense, or at least I hope makes sense, when you have no idea what the people that you're filming are talking about. But there's something, and I don't know what it is, that, that, that supersedes language in a, well, it's the human spirit in, in lots of ways. Um, and so human spirit, and hope, how important is hope in the situations that, that you go working with, with, with refugees? I mean, it's basically the most important thing because if these people don't have hope and if us as clowns don't try to uh, also show hope, Nobody can survive. I mean, why would you survive in this terrible world if you have no hope? And that's that's the most tricky part is that sometimes sometimes you get you get to a point where you're like it's very, very difficult to be hopeful and to find hope. Um, so you need to work extra hard to find it. It's just but it's it's what keeps us it, it's it's what makes us resilient as human beings and what keeps us alive actually. And you yourself as well, do you have a hope that your work is I mean, I know that your work is having an enormous impact, but but you know, I'm sure that like all of us, we, we also have times of questioning what we're doing and things like this. How does hope, you know, work on a personal level with with yourself? I mean, it's it, this is this also comes in a in a very uh, good timing. This question because I'm I'm living the aftermath of the explosion, and uh, I'm re questioning myself now. Um, like we're we're preparing ourselves to go and perform. And I think the first week or the first week and a half, I was, I was thinking, is it the right thing to do now? And can I do it? Uh, because I can't find hope. I couldn't find hope. And I, I only found, I only had dark, dark thoughts. Uh, I really lost hope and, and I was feeling so down. Um, and I guess my, the answer, the answer to this was basically starting rehearsals and uh, laughing again and having fun with the other clowns 
And I was like, oof, no, there's something there that is helping me personally now. So yeah, let's let's go and perform next week. Wow. If I answer it. No, you answered it beautifully. So is that what you're, like right now, if we bring the discussion to, to the present, is that what you are doing at the moment on the, on the ground in the streets? Yeah, we stopped, we stopped helping with, uh, with cleaning up. We are now just, uh, you know, helping with the money we've, uh, we're getting on the online uh, crowdfunding. Uh, and we started rehearsing and we're going to do, we're going to start performing as of, uh, the 5th of September with, you know, like this here, just because I have it. Masks on, red nose on top of the mask. Ah, fantastic. I was hoping you had a red nose (laughs) handy. Yeah. (laughs) I do. And it's always here. So now we're, uh... (laughs) Now we're rehearsing. We're still. Uh, today is going to be our first rehearsal face to face with a mask on. We've been rehearsing online, but yeah, we're going to be performing uh, in uh, public uh, spaces uh, too. Yeah. And do you expect to get a one hundred percent positive reaction from people? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, I think people need it uh, when you offer uh, when you offer joy and laughter and music and fun, even if you're or mostly when you're really down, it will lift you up. Yeah. And we need it. We really, really need it. I mean, one hundred percent is a big uh, uh, thing to say, but you know, ninety percent. And the, the fact that... You have to say that. I don't want you to come next week and say, okay, was it 100%? <laughs> well, I won't come next week. I'm in Melbourne. I'm locked in my apartment with these restrictions. I can't even leave my, uh, my neighbourhood. But I've never been to Lebanon. I've been to, to neighbouring countries. I've never had the uh, opportunity or, or pleasure to, but I definitely hope to. So that's a, a perfect way to talk about the future. One day I'm going to be in Lebanon. I'm going to be walking the streets of Beirut, and will I see you clowning in the streets? Is this something that you see as your, uh, you know, your ordination for life? Or hopefully, I mean, you'll see me clowning somewhere. Not maybe not in Beirut, but somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep doing this uh, up until my body asks me to stop. Yeah, <laughs> and and I know I, you have a young young child. If uh, he or she knocks on your door one say one day and says, uh, "Mum, I want to be a clown." Oh wow, that would be uh, fantastic. <laughs> I don't think she would though. She's like clowns. Oh, that's a lot of clowns in my life. <laughs> I, I don't know. She's only six months, so. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, it's the most beautiful thing. I mean, I don't know. For me, I think. I'm so, I always considered myself so lucky to have found clowning and um, it makes me so happy. Hmm. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I, we don't know each other personally, um, but I just want to say thank you for 
being so open in these in these questions and and in these chats um what i'm most getting out of this for myself for my work for myself is this word hope actually and and resilience and creatively you know telling stories and and and, and touching people in these ways and in many ways that's sort of the the whole reason i started this podcast was to be able to speak to people like you and share these uh share these stories. So my heart goes out to, to your city and, and your friends and, and, and family. And once again, I'll be putting links to, um, to where people can, can support. And thank you so much for, for the chat. And I hope that your city rebounds um, as quickly and as, and, and as well and as united as it can. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sabine. Thank you. <laughs> Many thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, review it with five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And go to aliminalspace.earth to access all episodes available as both video and audio podcasts. But for now, many thanks again and see you next time in Aliminal Space. Aliminal Space.